0: Hi, folks. Welcome to Sparkles for Mental Health, Growth in Five Dimensions. I'm Dr. Christine Sauer, and today I'm extremely happy to have Robert Yoho on the call. He is a retired physician from the U.S., and he's quite well known for his criticism in sick care or health care. Welcome, Robert.
1: Thank you so much, Christine.
0: Now, you had a surgical practice in the U.S. until you retired three years ago. Tell me about you a little bit about your experience as a surgeon in the U.S.
1: Well, I'm like Rip Van Winkle. I was I was was essentially asleep to what was going on for decades because I was off in this uh, side stream or tributary to medicine, where I had little contact with other doctors, and I was working with my patients to uh, beautify their bodies in theory um you know breast augmentation or breast jobs and liposuction and facelifts and that sort of thing but i i didn't um except for taking a history about people who came in and i i i gradually became more uh, aware that things were a mess and so for 25 years or longer I was in this uh, eddy or bywater water side side stream to medicine. And I didn't really uh, think too much about what was going on because the practice of cosmetic surgery is so consuming. I just had to, you know, in order to keep it going, my wife and I just worked, you know, many, many hours a week and, uh, you know, and dealt with the problems that we we had in, in that field. So,
0: yeah, well, Tell me, why did you become a cosmetic surgeon? Was, what was your original intent? Becoming well, a doctor and of all things, a, a cosmetic
1: surgeon. That's a y- y- I hate to admit this, but um, it was economically more viable than other options I had. So I thought that if I ever could make it to become a cosmetic surgeon, I would my life would be uh, perfect. But I realized that I jumped from the frying pan into the fire and that it was there was there were a lot of political problems with uh, other specialties and the medical board and there was a lot of litigation and of course every cosmetic surgeon has problems and we actually on average have a fatality or two during our careers so i had a very busy practice and i uh, you know at the end of my career which fortunately didn't happen until i was 65 I, you know, I had uh, the various regulatory agencies and the medical board and the, the thing seemed like it was crashing. So I quit. I uh, uh, told him to take my medical license and shove it where the sun didn't shine. And although I never, I never made uh, a fortune, uh, Christine, I'm comfortable and I could afford to retire. You know, I've got Medicare and Social Security like everyone else, and I've got a small amount of savings and so I'm I'm comfortable. So I'm I, w- I regretted leaving, but uh, about a week after I left, I felt enormous load lift off of me. Clinical medicine is uh, like a burden you carry around in your back. You can be called all the time, and you've got responsibilities that seem uh, they they seem completely uh, unsupportable after a while. But you you get used to it. I I'm, I
0: thought. Felt- totally understand. I didn't even last 25 years. I I burned out after much less uh, being a family doctor in Germany and a dermatologist and an allergologist raising two kids on the side. (laughs) It was crazy. And we did house calls and emergency visits in Germany, which doctors in Canada do not do. They think they work a lot. They don't know what real work is. Yeah. No, I, I dabbled a little bit in cosmetic surgery as a dermatologist, did hair transplants, which was a lot of fun, and laser. And I oh, noticed- you did
1: hair transplants?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I I've know.
1: got 2,500 <laughs> grafts.
0: Oh, wow. You're looking good, actually. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's very tedious. That's why I didn't pursue it. It's very lucrative, uh, but it's very tedious. And and to do it right, you have to do a lot of it and, and be good at it. I learned it in Florida from a cosmetic surgeon and he was he was quite good actually. I don't Who was that? I forgot his name. Sorry. Right. Yeah, that's that was a long, long time ago. My kids were still kids. I went to Disney World and I went in his practice. <laughs> yeah. And it it, it 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 is interesting because um for me. When I came to Canada, my ex-husband committed suicide. By the way, as a consequence of being burned out himself.
1: Was he on psych drugs? No, he wasn't. He wasn't.
0: But, but I got depressed myself. Came coming to Canada because I lost my profession because I had chronic back pain. That's what happened to me. You know, the body says no, Gavo Maté. You might have heard of it. And when the body says no, well, I had chronic back pain. And chronic back pain, I was four weeks in a hospital. I had to learn to, to, to walk again. Wow. And at that point, they started me on all kinds of drugs. Of course, morphine and all those drugs, because I couldn't stomach the, the, the other ones. And that made me half doozy. So when I come to Canada, my brain wasn't working right. And eventually, actually, I got so depressed that I attempted suicide here in Canada. And I ended up here in the psych ward as an inpatient, committed. So you were taking
1: you were taking the SSRI drugs.
0: I was. That's an interesting point. It was 2009. I was put on a low dose of SSRI. It didn't have no bad effects then, but no good either. And then when I came to Canada, the psychiatrist put me on six times the dosage.
1: Oh, and which knowing drug?
0: It was Sertraline.
1: Yeah, yeah, Zoloft.
0: And knowing what we know now, and I don't think it was quite well known then, uh, it can trigger suicide attempts and homicides. And we know that many kids in the school shootings probably are on those drugs we don't know because they don't tell us. But I suspect that sometimes that plays a role. For me, it did play a role to push me over this threshold and actually try to do it. And I ended up in the psych ward. And you know what they do when you don't get better on SSRIs? They augment it. Uh-huh. They augmented with zombie drugs, I call them, with antipsychotics. Not only do you gain weight and balloon out of shape, but you get totally zoned out. You can't think. You You don't know what you're doing. Your prefrontal cortex is leveled. And I did not know anymore who I was or what I was doing. I was fortunate in a way because I met my current husband. And he took me the way I was then. He's still with me 25 years later. Wow.
1: Uh, those drugs cut lifespan by 10 to 20 years. typically antipsychotics. Yeah, yeah.
0: They increase the risk of dementia, and it makes me extremely sad and upset that they are now giving it more and more to toddlers. In my opinion, it's a crime against humanity, but that's not the only thing that sick care is doing and that's where we go back to you because you wrote an amazing book and you called it butchered by healthcare I like that I was definitely butchered but I'm still there so human beings can be resilient but I think you probably butchered a few people by mistake I probably (laughs) did too unwillingly and many doctors do and not all intend to I think good intention butchers more people than bad intention what do you say
1: the doctors are naive to what's going on. They're and they are a pretty idealistic group, but they've been sold a pack of lies and most of them believe it all. I mean, it's just crazy. Some of them don't, but doctors represent a spectrum that are that are similar to the regular populace. And in other words, 25% of them are on site drugs of one kind or another, or street drugs, and these things have the same effects. Everybody is zombied out. And uh, you know the intellects have been hollowed out of a quarter of them by the mainstream propaganda, and uh, so you've got you know half of the people right there who are not going to be amenable to learning and understanding what's going on in the world today. So um, I mean, it's a sad situation. Yeah, it is, and and
0: and it's. It's quite interesting because I call those antipsychotics especially are compliance inducing drugs. They basically uh, replace the straitjackets that they had for psychiatric patients 100 years ago. So if we give it to people now, they become compliant to whatever the TV or the government wants to tell them.
1: It's convenient, um, but... The expense of this thing is actually much higher than ins- institutionalization. I mean, the amount of money we spend on these drugs is—it's—it's it's phenomenal, and it's—I mean, it's supposed to be only ten percent of the total healthcare bill in the United States, but our healthcare bill is four trillion. It's twenty uh, percent of our gross domestic product.
0: Wow. And in Canada, it's getting out of shape too, and it's getting worse. And they're cutting services right and left, and people have to wait forever to get important services, even a hip transplant, for example, a hip replacement, stuff like Canada, that.
1: Canada, like the other first world countries, besides the United States, spends about ten percent. Uh Singapore gets by on five percent. So wow, this is not that? Well, they've got control. They've got a rope around the necks of the people spending the money somehow. Uh, but, uh, you know, we have at least 50% of what we do is acknowledged by all kinds of academic sources to be completely useless or harmful. And so, I mean, that's medicine for you uh, 50% plus. Uh, and I've got the references in Butchered by Healthcare. I mean, it's just, it's a crazy scene. We spend twice. As much as any other country per capita, and we've got uh, something that just doesn't work at all. Does you know a lot of it doesn't work. The entire psychiatric drug formulary has not been studied with using uh, proper controls. So that's that stuff's worthless. I mean, it's it's bad for you and it's it dopes you up as you've said. The entire vaccine formulary has not been studied either, and uh, what we know about it suggests that it's not just worthless but actively harmful. We know most people have sort of caught on to the covid jab and how it's killing so many people. Uh, but uh the rest of the pediatric um, uh, vaccines are 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 similar. They're just not quite as bad as the covid jab. I and mean, the covid jab is a, it's a horror and I I'm just surprised anybody even talks about it now. Yeah, it is
0: it is really amazing that uh, that was Uh, actually uh, mandated and still is in some parts of Canada here in in Nova Scotia for example healthcare workers it's still mandated to take the vaccine the COVID vaccine and in my opinion when uh, the sudden adult death syndrome appeared a new disease that wasn't around before of course it's from the COVID job but it, 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 it makes you want to bore a bridge. What about the sudden infant death syndrome? Hmm, that wasn't really around much 100 years ago. Does that have to do with it, the jabs
1: too? 90% of the infant uh, sudden infant death syndromes are within a week of getting a childhood vaccine. And we all know now, the healthcare providers know that we give 75 different jabs to kids on their way uh, into adolescence and when i was younger and i'm 69 there were four or five so i mean this is a this is horrible i mean the the stories when you when you get into even things like smallpox it it was completely ineffective and had higher had a much higher fatality rate than it it solved i mean it's just every single one of these things was an opportunistic money grab by these pharma companies and what happened in 19 86 was Reagan signed into law a uh, statute that um, said that these uh, psychopathic companies had no uh, legal liabilities. So they've been off the leash ever since and multiplying the number of these things that they can get mandated. And one, one other quick thing, Christine, um, this uh, you know this entire thing has been discovered in the last few months by legal analysis. To be de- directed by the U.S. Department of Defense, so it's our own government uh, working against us, and I mean it makes you wonder what you can trust. The agriculture uh, is is just about as bad as pharma, and there it's the whole thing is uh, in a cabal with our own government and these three-letter agencies.
0: You know, in, in my humble opinion, the commercialization and democracy is a nice system and capitalism is on the surface a good system. But when you look at it, what it became now, it's all about, it's no longer the democracy. It's an autocracy of the big corporations. They tell the politicians what to do, what to legalize. And the little people have no say.
1: Yeah, it's not just I mean, about money. Uh, the the, it's it's things are so bad that that, that these people have, you know, at the top of this whole conspiracy, they have a a psychological disease that uh really is best characterized by calling it uh psychopath psychopaths. They're they 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 enjoy tormenting and killing people, and no one in their right mind would ever suggest that. Uh, cutting our entire population by, you know, twenty-five or fifty or seventy-five percent would make these people richer, right? And uh, and nobody in their right mind has an idea that cutting the population is a reasonable step anyway, because the population growth has peaked and and fallen down. Uh, so uh, these people are just out to out to maim and kill the rest of us.
0: You know, that's an interesting point because the term gaslighting was new to me a few years ago and I researched a little bit in it and I realized what's really going on Uh, then. Like many other people, uh, people woke up a few years ago when things went so out of hand that it was obvious. And for me, I was raised and born in Germany and my parents, my grandparents lived under Hitler. And like many dictators, he wrote a book before he came on power, Mein Kampf in 1932, he he wrote the book before that. In 1932, he was elected as a chancellor and the book was there for everybody to read. Nobody did. You know, the parallels are uncanny. And. Then, of course, uh, Adolf Hitler uh, straightened out the world. And my grandparents said, oh, it was great. You could go as a woman at night on the road, on the street, and, and feel safe. Feel safe. People want to feel safe, and governments know that. And whatever they do to coerce you, they make you want to feel safe. And they tell you, oh, you just comply with what I tell you, and you will be safe.
1: Yeah. The uh, the gaslighting was new to me too the that term and I mean it, it, learning all this stuff is like getting blasted out of a cannon I mean it's it's just it's agonizing but you've got to keep learning or you're uh, you're yeah, dead in the yeah. water
0: it's, it's it's fascinating it really is and uh, what what is your take on what we as humans can do really besides Uh, What I see in my clients more and more, look to the spiritual realm, the universe, and find, like in many crisis situations in history, find their solids in faith, hope, and love. And I agree with that. Those are great values that we need to encourage. But on the other hand, we have to stand with both legs firm on the surface of the earth, because that's where we live every day.
1: Well... um... You you know my grasp of American history is not uh, all that great, but I do know that journalists played a an important role in why we defeated Britain, and we have the first step in this process if we are going to have any hope of winning is to make everyone aware of the alternative media and get them looking at things besides the mainstream because we faced a wall of censorship and lies. And uh, it it's just, it's just crazy. So I think we're playing an important role here and I'm writing full-time probably 60 or 70 hours a week and trying oh. to build consensus and, uh, you know, to let people understand what's actually going on.
0: And I will absolutely share your Substack and the links to your books because they are worth having a look and that really it is essential. There's other people on Substack, on Rumble, and other alternative media and in canada we just passed or we i didn't do it uh the bill c11 which is uh outright censorship bill because it, uh, it it provides uh, uh little people like myself what i post on youtube is being censored by our government now and even google youtube and other big uh, facebook and so on they are no longer allowed post controversial content on sites that can be watched by canadians isn't that ridiculous it's like in china or like in eastern germany before the wall came down i can't believe that is actually happening
1: these people are not going to stop unless we stop them and we it may ultimately be some sort of armed conflict but it's it's hard to imagine they've infiltrated so many areas i mean they're so wealthy and They've had control of the mainstream media, but the the positive note about what has gone on is many people are waking up now and understand what they're up to. I mean, they, they've had a uh, progressive infiltration of the, our power structures and so on for uh, many decades and perhaps as much as a hundred years. And the whole thing is, uh, but and I don't think the awareness of these jackals has been um, so high ever before. And the other positive thing is there are not many of them. They've had to co-opt people who are more nearly no normal to promote these uh, insane agendas. I think the thing that your listeners should understand is that almost everything that comes out of the mouths of the mainstream media is a lie, and the markers for this sort of thing are easy to see because anyone that uses that word misinformation, anybody anybody that uses uh, Uh, you know, you know, it it babbles incessantly about transgenders or
0: uh, uh, gender fluidity. How about that? What's that? Gender fluidity.
1: Gender fluidity or
0: tell your five-year-old just because you have a penis doesn't mean that you're a boy. You could be a girl. What do you want to be? There's no biologic assignment of sex anymore, but it is. In, in biology, ask your dog whether he's a boy or a girl. They know. Animals know. So humans know. The genes know.
1: This um, the man,
0: the mind.
1: this theme is promoted by billionaire uh, crazies and not by this small group of relatively sick and, and weak and poorly funded people. But they're, they've are become well-funded, and I, I, they, these people are paid off to promote this stuff. Um, you know, anyone that talks about this carbon thing, I mean, this is a total fraud. The, the, uh, y- y- you can read my books. My books are now free if you just promise to send the link. They're, the ebooks are free if you just promise to send the link to other people. Uh, but if you read my books about <clears throat> this carbon fraud, they're basically trying to ultimately destroy carbon-based life forms. That means us. And so, if you once you understand the agendas, it will uh, become a little more clear. I don't know about the gun carry in Canada. Uh, you may have different opinions about this, but um, gun carry in America is one of the remaining constitutional rights that seems to be uh, getting more robust or improving. And it combats crime and keeps us safe. And the, the problems, you know, of course, there are a lot of guns. But the problems are not the guns it's the lack of defense and in states that have um you know free gun carry and so on um and all the states many of the states are moving towards this there's over 30 states that have basically uh completely liberalized their gun laws um so and this all this stuff about antifa and black live matter black lives matter is just and defund the police is just promoting racism and promoting powerlessness, which is the exact opposite of the truth.
0: I I notice more and more that uh, the media try to pin one group of the population against another and that diversity and inclusion really means exclusion of most people and preference of certain groups against other groups and pinning them against each other. And it's not spreading positivity and love. And, and I think that has to happen on the ground level, not somewhere up in the spiritual level. It has to be coming down to the personal level. And, you know, I, I work a lot with people with mental health issues, and they are often saying to me, I can't stand all that negative talk that they say. Well, that's a problem. When we have a crisis on the globe, there is negativity when there's a war going on whether it's for your mind or for your possessions there will be strife and negativity and instead of trying not to offend anybody in my books it's i I try to help people to build resilient so they can stand what's going to come they can uh, not be offended by somebody else that has a different opinion
1: yeah, these part of the strategy of these globalists is to psych everyone out, and they're actually a smaller, a far smaller group than anyone uh, can possibly imagine. I reviewed the psychopath issue in Cassandra's Memo, which is my recent book that was actually censored off Amazon, and they, they, these people do not have an ordinary operating system of human love and values and there's no altruism. Um, Instead, that's replaced by a a kind of a motive to do harm and to injure other people. It's hard to believe that these people exist. The religious people call them demons. I'm not religious, but I certainly understand that the religious ideas tie it all up in a bow.
0: You know, I talk a lot about Christianity. I have a lot of Christian people with a background my dear brother is a fundamentalist Christian and uh, uh, we talked about, he, he knows what's going on because my own mother was uh, basically killed by the COVID vaccine. She developed autoimmune kidney disease. She had to take it because she was 90. She lived in a senior complex, so they forced her to take it or she would have been confined to a room. She took it four weeks later, she had autoimmune kidney failure and died about nine months later. And the, the the you know what the uh, the the real sarcasm in mean, that is is to visit her in Germany we had to take the vaccine to be able to travel. You took <laughs> it. We had to, but we took the, the FLK the uh, uh, CC protocol pre and post vaccine, uh, less the ivermectin that you can't get in Canada because in Canada a doctor that prescribes this loses their license. But it's you
1: can send to- off to India for it.
0: I know that's not a big deal. But uh, you can easily uh, you can use uh, Nijala Sativa uh, which is adversity which are also very powerful. I used both and we had no side effects. Uh, So it does work with supplements and I wrote about supplements for immune support a little bit uh, understatement but it really is. But uh, my clients of course they know what to do. But it is said that those information that is crucial for most people that are forced for whatever reasons to take that vaccine they need to know how to at least prevent most likely the worst of the side effects and there's a way and peter mccullough was very very helpful for me to actually develop that protocol together with the others so uh, let's just slowly wrap that up because i could talk with you for hours and hours because this is a big issue a very big issue and as we are older i mean i'm 61 i'm getting there and my husband and i we both say well i'm glad on my way out but i have children i have grandchildren and you know let's let's just have some fun at the end because i love to lighten the load for my clients because i have many people that are very very fragile of course, how did they get fragile? You, you know, we talked about that. But it, it's a, it's, it's my my passion to help them too because I, I I know how to do it, and I I sometimes tell jokes because it's true. And one of my favorite jokes, and I told you before, and I have to tell you, it's actually an old. I think it was a Jewish joke. Uh, that is of course racist now to call a joke Jewish, but I don't care.
1: And. He, That's another one of the key words. If you hear anyone say racist, it almost has no relationship to race. And anti-Semite is another key word because that almost has no relationship to Jews. Likewise, anything said about Trump is a a marker for some crazy leftist nonsense that you just don't want to listen to. So it, it destroys the credibility of whoever brings those words up. So but anyway, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt your joke.
0: No, that's okay. I see how passionate you are and, and I love that you shared with a passion and you bring the science with you and you bring the knowledge with you and people need to hear that but to, to get them there we have to start uh, somewhere where they are. Many people are not yet there. They slowly get into well, maybe that wasn't all the best idea. Uh, maybe the third booster in three months <laughs> every three months the booster doesn't make sense maybe that the palti that my neighbor had two two weeks after the vaccine has something to do with it and so slowly one after the other they come to the idea that maybe that's not all okay and what i try to do is help those people soothe their minds so they actually can take action and are not paralyzed by fear because many people get paralyzed by fear and that is not helpful if you want to beat them. That's what they want. They want us to get paralyzed. And that's what where, where humor comes in. And one of my favorite jokes, and my mother told me that it was way before COVID. It has nothing to do with it. Now, as a physician, I told it to my patients because it's so much fun and it's true. So a man goes to the doctor. He gets a prescription. He takes a prescription to the pharmacist and fills the prescription. Then he goes home. And throws the bottle with the pills in the garbage. His wife looks at him and says, what are you doing? He said, you know, dear, I went to the doctor because the doctor needs to live. I went to the pharmacist and filled the prescription because the pharmacist needs to live. And I threw the bottle in the garbage because I have to live too. And it, it, sadly, it's, it's more often than not, it is like that. And as a naturopath in Germany, I already worked mostly with natural substances as much as possible. And don't get me wrong, I love conventional medicine in the right context. If I break my arm, I want conventional medicine. If I have bacterial pneumonia, high fever, and I nearly die, I want conventional medicine. But if I have a chronic disease, I don't. I want to start, at least start, with natural options before I even would consider a biologic, especially for mental health issues, the dark night of the soul. Come on, in Canada, they just allowed a 23-year-old man with chronic, untreatable depression to get assisted suicide. Medically assisted suicide is available in Canada for mental illness, I mean, the definition, if you're really depressed, is that you're not able to judge what's going on with you. How can you decide that you want to take your own life if you're suicidal? Doesn't make sense to me. I don't know the case of the individual case, but it was very concerning to me because I see the parallel with what happened on the Hitler, the euthanasia. How easy is it to mix that? It's get meddled. So I see a lot of things happening that remind me of what I learned from my parents, my grandparents, what happened in the Third Reich, and what they didn't like to talk about. But once I got teenager and learned about it, I asked the questions, and it was interesting. There's always good sides about everything. Yes, dictatorship makes you feel safe. I understand that, but what do you value? What are your values? Do you value freedom? Or do you value safety over freedom it's it's
1: difficult you should interview vera sherov who was a uh, concentration camp survivor she was there when she was four or five she remembers it it's hard to believe i when i interviewed her i asked her how the heck how the heck old is she and i she kind of stumbled a little bit i don't know how old she is but she's in pretty good shape i'll send you that contact
0: yes i would love to And on that note, I remember when I was in the 80s, a young medical student, I listened to a talk by Viktor Frankl. Oh, you did? Yeah.
1: That's amazing.
0: Oh, wow. It was shortly before he passed on in 1983, he died. And of course, he wrote the book, Man's Search for Meaning. And I want to recommend it to anybody. He survived Auschwitz and other concentration camps. And it's a very moving and very meaningful book that anybody should read. I recommend it to my clients all the
1: time so regular medicine just to put a um, bow around that you don't want to underestimate it i mean there are things that are genuine miracles but you almost need to be a physician level person like dr Sauer, to navigate it these days because uh, their frauds are ubiquitous and if you're a regular patient in america or canada and you're on multiple medications you want to look at every bottle research it and try to discontinue as many as you can in fact in psychiatry there and uh, and in nursing homes there are people who specialize in getting rid of uh, uh, medications and there are cures which are overlap with regular medicine like ivermectin Fimbendazole for cancer, which is really works well in a lot of these things, the stories are incredible, but they're, it's not studied. And then alternative medicine is often uh, superior because it keeps you away from these toxic alternatives. Cancer chemotherapy is a mess. These guys are paid 20% of the value of the drugs they administer. And uh, it's, it's, it's really an outrage. It's a kickback that would be illegal if it was between two physicians in America. It's called capping. They'd go to jail. Uh, but between pharma and the, the, the uh, oncologists, it's, it's perfectly fine.
0: Yeah, and, and I completely agree. The more chronic your illness is, the more you should look to natural option, lifestyle option, and the combination. And I've done it, and it worked. And I see my patients very often, and in my neighbors, when I talk to them, the problem is they can't afford those options. When they get cancer, it's too expensive to go uh, to a cancer center in the States that actually uh, administers natural therapies. So they go with what's available for free.
1: You can, you can, can their consult, life? <laughs> you can consult these guys online and it's not that expensive. You know, a few hundred dollars, $500, and you can learn, learn largely what to do and use your local naturopath.
0: and, And I help some people with that and I know local naturopaths do. And it's interesting why some people still believe that their doctor wants their best. And I talk with doctors and they tell me I'm torn because I have to follow the guidelines or I lose my license. I cannot tell my patients what I really think is best for them anymore. And I'm glad, I'm really grateful that I'm not licensed I can really say to my clients what I feel is in their best interest.
1: Yeah, I fortunately, I had the same experience. I exited from my medical license right before the pandemic. So I, I haven't been subjected to a lot of this this stuff. I didn't have to make a decision.
0: Yeah. For younger physicians, it's a very difficult role. I know a few of them that either choose to comply or choose to drop out both sides they have consequences they either burn out and are stressed out because they have to lie to their patients or they lose their source of income and have to re- to try to get another one so it's it's not that easy and we are living in interesting times i always say we're living in interesting times i'm fortunate to live in those times and not in some comfortable boring time <laughs> So Robert, uh, let's wrap that up. I'm so grateful I had the opportunity to talk with you. I will make sure to share your links so people can take uh, advantage of all the good information you have to offer and can educate themselves about what's really going on. And uh, if you want to do your research, it is available, but you do have to dig.
1: So my... Uh substack which is the best place to find my stuff and you can get all my writing from uh from from the archives there is robert yoho r-o-b-e-r-t-y-o-h-o dot substack.com and i also have an author website robert yoho author.com and you you can get my books free if you sign up for my newsletter uh you'll have a chance to download those ebooks for free and i I tell how to put it on your Kindle account, if you use Kindle.
0: They're available
1: on Amazon as well.
0: That is really generous of you. Thank you so much for doing that and for giving all that wisdom away that you accumulated during your years of working in the healthcare field. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your life spreading the message. We don't know what's going to come, but in the end, it doesn't matter because we are living our passion our purpose our meaning that's what matters i call it to sparkle <laughs> i'm a woman i love to sparkle and that means you have the vitality and the energy and you do what you're meant to do in life
1: if if you don't emphasize others you're you're lost and so you have to have some altruism you have to pay attention to yourself and there's there's some there's a yiddish uh, expression and i'm not jewish but it's something like um, if you're not for yourself, um, you know, uh, what are you? And then if you're not for others, who are you? Yeah. I think Bible that's says
0: it. The the name, love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love yourself, you can't love your neighbor. And you need to love your neighbor as yourself. So it, it all binds it together. And it's lovely. And, and I love that we both do that. And I thank you a lot. And if you are watching that, subscribe to this podcast, go on Robert's Substack, get the books and uh, find out what you think about it, whether you agree or don't agree, Uh, but think about it. I think that's the most important thing that we need to teach our children, the art of critical thinking, thinking for yourself, weighing the evidence, the truth, finding the truth. It's hard these days. And in that sense, thank you for being on the show, Robert. And this was another episode of Sparkles for Better Mental Health, Growth in Five Dimensions. My pleasure. Bye-bye.